What's going on, FA Nation? Welcome back. This is the NASCAR DFS podcast. I'm Dan Malin. I'm joined by the three-time FSWA NASCAR Writer of the Year, Matt Sells. Matt, how was the week off? Uh, it was good. It was mostly relaxing. We still covered F1 last weekend uh, for the Canadian Grand Prix, which was a fairly interesting race from what I, I gather. I was profitable. I was profitable. There you go. I took a little bit of a different path with the playbook. I don't know if it's going to have to stick because of the way <laughs> that I did it. Um, I have to because I made some money finally. <laughs> okay. Uh, so that's going to be fun for my schedule because got halfway through writing it. And I'm like, uh-oh, if somebody wants this to stick, it's going to make my Saturdays a whole lot longer. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, it was it was relaxing. Took Father's Day off, basically. Um, went to a movie with the kids. Enjoyed that day. Grilled some pizza. On the uh, on the old grill there, uh, I had a warm reception to the shrimp pizza, which I thought was interesting. Shrimp on a pizza? Uh huh. The last one that I posted, the the last tweet of the pizza, had shrimp on it, and our colleague there, James Grande, wants me to FedEx that to his wedding reception. <laughs> I'm like, interesting choice for a wedding reception there, sir, because everybody's breast's gonna not smell great there. Um, I, of course, liked it. It was very enjoyable. But, yeah, now we're uh, turning our attention to, fittingly, Daniel Suarez won last week. His main sponsor is a Tootsie, Tootsie's Bar in Nashville, which is where we're racing this week. So, yeah, and uh, it's going to be – we're getting a lot of uh, – like, we come back from the break. The NASCAR Cup Series is switching its coverage to NBC – I think Xfinity as well, although the trucks Correct. were still covered by FS1. Correct. So that's that's a bummer for our Friday nights. But uh, it's nice to see a different team in the broadcast booth. I, I can only handle so much Fox slander on Twitter. Not that it's wrong or unwarranted, but uh, it, it'll just be a nice change of pace. Um, <clears throat> but we had to Nashville, kind of its own unique track. Uh, this is, what, 1.3? It's like a mile and a third, pretty flat trioval. Yeah, it's one and a third miles, which is pretty close to what Gateway and Darlington both are, except like Gateway, Nashville is flat. Unlike it, it's symmetrical. It's a trioval. It's not egg-shaped. It's also concrete. This is the only, like, concrete oval outside of Dover. Um, so that's going to make it interesting. It's still undecided if passing is going to happen or not. Uh, it did not last year. That was that was not a thing that happened last year, um, and this package, to be perfectly honest, has not shined on the has not shown, I guess, on the uh, shorter, flatter tracks so far. Uh, Gateway was okay, but most of that drama was Ross Chastain wrecking everybody, and then Denny trying to wreck <laughs> Ross Chastain for the second half of the race. Um, so. We'll see. Last year, we had a runaway winner with uh, Kyle Larson. Yeah, it was a pretty got, boring race. Who, by the way, got almost a perfect driver rating. We were talking about this before the pod. His driver rating was, what, 149.7? Yep. You said? A perfect driver rating, by the way, in case you're wondering, is 150 flat. So Yeah, I mean, but that's, that's about kind of as perfect as you can get. His entire season. Because, like, this was at a point when he was just going on an absolute tear through the schedule. Right. Summer months. Right, because as we saw a few uh, a few races ago, somebody tweeted out that Kyle Larson is the defending winner of like the next four 
races. Um, not going all the way up to uh, Road America because his teammate there won that one. But yeah, it's kind of an interesting one. They're going to have the Tire Dragon and some resin, not the PJ1 but some resin down in basically the same spot they had last year. They're going to run it a little closer to the wall is what I hear. Hmm. Uh, so hopefully there's a little bit more passing. But... I saw Tyler Reddick tweet something about that earlier in the week. Yeah. Um, I mean, anything to make passing happen more. Maybe it'll help because it's supposed to be <clears> hot <throat> in Nashville this weekend. It's supposed to be in the 90s. Um, so hot concrete could be good for uh, – you know, we'll have Dale Jr. back in the booth, so he'll be yelling slide job, <laughs> um, which obviously he did in his first race in Chicagoland. Um, so, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see. There's also a decent chance of rain on Sunday, so be prepared for that. Um, and it is a later race. We were talking about this, too. It's a later race. It's like 5 Eastern on Sunday. Yeah, I don't really get that. Uh, I don't either. I don't understand why they couldn't do it at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Maybe it's know. a late arriving, or the other thing is maybe they knew it was going to be hot, so they helped sell tickets. They moved it, like they made it later in the day, so it's not quite as hot. Actually, okay, I remember there was a race last year where part of the storyline that was breaking was like there were a lot of people watching the race on TV, and they were thinking like, man, there are like a lot of seats that are just empty, and it's not that like. People didn't go to the race. It's just everyone got stuck in traffic. And I think maybe that may have been Nashville. Yeah. They they did release a new traffic pattern this year to help. Because it seemed like that. there was just really just one road into the track and then yeah. one road out. Yeah, much like Kentucky in its first year, which had massive traffic problems its first year because there's one road in and one road out. And you get a Cup Series race there for the first time, like, ever. And all of a sudden, you're going to have a lot of people who want to go. So they did update traffic. So maybe they're trying to help with that. Um, maybe they're trying to help with the hangover crowd because it is a Sunday in Nashville. And yeah. Saturday night in Nashville is a very big party <laughs> uh, if you've ever been. So we'll see. There is that. Um, we do get practice again. By the way, even though they raced here last year, we will get 50-minute practice uh, on Friday night. Then we get qualifying on Saturday uh, morning, I believe. Saturday mid-afternoon. I have to double-check. Uh, yeah, you're right. Um, and then the race is at 5 Eastern on Sunday. Uh, your schedule is a little compacted this week, though. Yeah, I hate it. I don't like it. Uh, truck practice starts at 4 p.m. Qualifying is at 4.30. So assuming qualifying is probably done between 5 and 5.15, that gives about three hours to finalize lineups. Uh, <clears throat> and so in this time frame, I have to add updates in red to the playbook for drivers that I'm upgrading and downgrading. I don't think – I was talking with Matt before the podcast, and I think with this short window, I don't know if I'm going to do example lineups. I think for this, it's going to be easier for me and my schedule just to do core plays just because, A, I'm still going to be at work when this is all happening, and I have to watch qualifying and practice on my phone. Uh, and so once that's all finalized, I then jump into the playbook, try to make as many updates as I possibly can, all while still doing my full-time job. Uh, and so I'm also going to be trying to finalize my own lineups and I'm probably only going to be able to do 10 because of this schedule. So for the truck race and the Xfinity race, just because there's a, such a small window, I'm 
going to dedicate most of my time to getting the playbook updated and then posting core plays in the Discord. I don't think I'm going to be doing example lineups when the window is just this tight. I don't want to half-ass the example lineups. I don't want to just quickly look at, like, build a lineup and say, yeah, I kind of like this for cash. I, I like being able to put thought into them and having a good amount of time to think them over, make changes, kind of go through my process of like, can I make this better anyway? Um, I, I just don't want to put out a crappy product. So I'd rather just put uh, put out core plays for both races. And then for future races, <clears throat> you know, I know sometimes Xfinity will qualify on Friday and they'll have the race on Saturday. In a situation like that, I can do example lineups. Right. Um, but just this weekend schedule, as soon as it came out, I knew it was going to be stressful and I wasn't, I was not going to be able to, put forth example items that I felt entirely confident in. So I'm pretty sure I'm just going to do core plays. Uh, but you'll still have example items for the Cup Series, right? Uh, I will. I will have those out on Sunday. I'll still have the prize picks and underdog picks in the uh, <clears throat> Discord channel there. Uh, betting piece should be <clears throat> out probably Friday, I would imagine. Um, and then a schedule update for the next couple of weeks. I am going on vacation. Uh, at the end of next week, um, and then you know I'll be back the Friday before Atlanta. Um, so what that means is that Dan has graciously uh, offered to cover the Cup Playbook next week for Road America. Um, I Hell will. Yeah. We will still have the pod out. Still have. <clears throat> still have a track breakdown out. Um, and then you have to bear with me on projections and whatnot because I'll have those out Saturday, but it'll be after we arrive uh, in Florida. So I will have to catch up on practice and qualifying before putting out the uh, the projections there. But you'll still have a working lineup generator for Road America. And then for Atlanta, we're still kind of hashing stuff out as according to the schedule. Um, it is at least based on the early race at Atlanta this year, uh, it is much more of a dark throw. <laughs> it's more of a Daytona and Talladega than I think anybody previously thought, so much to the fact that there is no practice for that race now. NASCAR right. has canceled practice for that race. So bear with us on that one. You'll still get all of your content uh, out. Might be at slightly different times, uh, depending on travel schedule, but that's the lay of the land for the next couple of weeks. So um, with that, oh, and... I did, by the way, pay off the bet to uh, Ed Ross. <laughs> I didn't want to bring it up. <laughs> that was. Thank you, Eric Jones. Thank you, Eric Jones. Let's move on. Um. Yeah. All right. Nashville. Uh, as Matt alluded to at the beginning of the podcast in the last 10 to 12 minutes, uh, there was not a lot of passing in last year's race. It was pretty much a snooze fest. Kyle Larson ran away with it. 264 laps led. 133 fastest laps. There were 2,123 total green flag passes. Now, over 300 laps, that came out to about 8.8 per green flag lap. Um, not a lot. Not great. No. And especially if you consider, you know, you may look at <clears throat> the starting position of a lot of these guys and their finishing position and think like, oh, it, it must be easy to move up through this uh, at this track. Not necessarily. Like, I I do agree that on green flag runs, it was pretty difficult to pass. Um, guys like Ross Chastain started 19th, finished second. Uh, Ricky Stenhouse finished started 14th, finished sixth. Suarez started 22nd, finished seventh. Kurt Busch started 30th, finished eighth. 
Christopher Bell started 25th and finished ninth. Austin Dillon started 28th, finished 12th. But at the same time, like so many things go into results like this. Like there were 11 cautions for 60 laps. And there, was nine, of the race was, there were nine cars that crashed out. Yep, there were nine car. Well, yeah. Quinn Hoff didn't even start. Uh, well, Ryan Blaney just, only. Yeah. Chase Ryan was Blaney. technically disqualified, I guess. Oh, was that the. Yeah. Was he really? Yeah, that's what Racing Reference has listed. He ran 300 laps, but he was disqualified. So I guess there's eight that crashed out, and then Chase was disqualified for, I think, failing post race tech <clears throat> inspection. I believe. I think the other thing that we need to account for with this race is that we've seen it a lot. Um, drivers are going to end up on different pitch strategies. Yes. Um, and so I don't think we should expect one person to dominate 88% of the laps like Larson did last year. We've seen on these triables, even, even the flatter ones, like, you know, we can get two or three good dominators in our builds. And with 300 la- laps available, you're getting 200 roughly – uh, 200 dominator points available. So I'm going to be focusing on mostly like two dom builds, probably a couple three dom builds. And then if I'm doing 20 lineups, I probably want two lineups with just one sole dominator and then paying up for just mid-range drivers that I can probably trust to get a good enough finish with some PD. Um, is there anything you wanted to add in terms of strategy or what we took away from last year's race? Because we also have to keep in mind entirely new car, we're not going to see anything right. like last year's race, probably. Right. Um, I mean, perhaps. But if you think about it, this car this year on the shorter, flatter tracks has been performing much like the ones last year. Passing has been tough this year on the shorter, flatter tracks. Um, if we harken back to to Gateway, which is a reasonable comp to it, it's not great. It's reasonable. Basically the same distance, and it's flat. Um we saw a bunch of different laps led guys, right? Nobody led more than 66 laps in that race. Mm-hmm. Um, passing was relatively tough. Um, you know, so there's that. It also compares well to Phoenix and Richmond, two tracks where passing <clears throat> was relatively tough, and you still saw two guys uh, you know, dominate in the laps led department in those races. In fact, in Richmond, we had... Um, what Byron led 122 and Blaney led 128, and then you had Truex at 80 and Bell at 63. Now there's 400 laps in that race, but you get the point. You can still go two, three Dom guys. Uh, Phoenix about the same thing. Like it was reasonably decently split. I mean, it was almost entirely split by three guys: 101 for Chase Briscoe, 143 for Blaney, and 50 for Chase Elliott. So. I agree with your strategy. Um, there's going to be a little bit of chaos. We've seen that this year, no matter the track. Expect tire issues. Um, that's kind of what happens this year. Uh, we've already seen, I think Fox said, we've already seen 10 suspensions this year for the tire falling off the car. Yeah. I mean, that hasn't happened in, like that many times in the 15 years I've been watching the sport, right? So it's going to be an issue, just what to expect. Um, But, yeah, and you should also check out, I think it's DFS Sniper, 
had a very interesting tweet out earlier today. This is Wednesday about the starting positions this year that have made the optimal lineups the most. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know who that guy is, but he tweets out some pretty solid stuff. He's a good follow. Yeah, he's a very good follow. Um, Let's get his So, so yeah, it was pretty interesting that, like, 16, 17, 18, and maybe 19 all showed up three or four times in optimal lineups this year. Um, Number seven, I think, or 13 is most. Something like that. But it was it's a very interesting um, tweet to go check out. Yeah, and if you want to give him a follow on Twitter, he is at the DFS Sniper. That's two S's. Yeah, he's he's a very, very interesting follow with the stats that he comes up with. So, And you know what? He's pretty objective with how his lineups like unfold and everything, too. He highlights the good days, the bad days, so you, you, yep. you respect that kind of transparency. Oh, hey, Danny right. also put out an Xfinity <clears throat> series. One, two. Did he? <laughs> yes, he did it. It's like the oh, a truck series one too. By the way, God, the truck series one has to be all over the place. Yeah, it's <laughs> we're, we're digressing here, but yes, it's very interesting stuff, um, for sure. So, getting back to strategy, yeah, I think we can do kind of what we normally do on intermediates, which is bank on about two dominators, and then the rest of the guys, we just want solid finish positions from them. All right, so we were just talking about uh, suspensions for wheels coming off. I think that's a perfect segue to Kyle Larson. He's 11600 on DraftKings. I'm pretty sure if you went to DK Sportsbook, they'd probably list him as the favorite. I don't Actually, know why. Actually, I can check. Uh, you keep going. He's won one race this year. Um, I just don't understand why they continue to price him as the most expensive driver. Uh, it's he clear. is, in fact, by a, mar- by a wide margin, he's the favorite on DK Sportsbook. I figured. He's at nine to two, which is plus four fifty. Kyle Busch is the second favorite at fifteen to two, which is plus seven fifty. And then you have Chastain and Chase Elliott at eight to one. Denny's at ten to one. I guess my favorite might it's probably gonna be Chastain and Kyle Busch. I would Bush. take Blaney at twelve to one though. <laughs> I mean, he did partake in this race last year for about a cup of coffee. Yeah, but this year, <laughs> this year Richmond and Phoenix, which are pretty good comps to it, he's he did very very well. I mean, obviously, not not quite the race we expected from him at Gateway, if memory serves. Um, well, he got a top five at Gateway. Yeah, I think we kind of thought he was going to do a little. I mean, that's not but thirty-eight fastest laps and twelve laps led. I'll take that. Okay, so yeah, he's six x value. Yeah, but who among the mid range? And we don't know where anyone's starting. But I would say in this range, if I'm looking at dominators, I'm probably looking at Kyle Busch and Ross Chastain, mostly because Chastain has just been fast everywhere. Now we haven't seen a top five from him in a few weeks, but he still had a top ten. I mean, even at Charlotte, <clears throat> grabbed a handful of dominators. Although he's not doing it as often as he was earlier in the year. Um, if he's not getting dominators, he's not going to pay off a 10-5 price tag. But right. between him and Kyle Busch, I just feel best and most secure about just showing up with the right setup. Because I think Joe Gibbs Racing has also figured out the car. I don't, I, <laughs> I don't think some of their drivers have, but I think that they're showing up with the car. And Kyle Busch... Uh, is doing what Kyle Bush does best and he's like adapting to it and he's getting practice and qualifying back. So he's yes 
cheerful after the last two years. Yeah, those would be my picks. I mean, like you said perfectly, Chastain's been fast everywhere. Whether he's pissing people off or not, he's been fast everywhere. The Trackhouse Gang as a group has been fast everywhere. Um, Kyle Busch, I would trust him to figure out the setup better than the rest of his teammates. That's just what he does, right? He's made his career off of figuring out how to make the car go faster than anybody else. Uh, faster than anybody else figures it out. So, yeah, I would, I would, those are my two favorite payups right now. Um, I don't know that I'm paying that price for Kyle Larson. I know I've been saying that for a few weeks, but I, to toot my horn, I've been right. Um, I mean, the Coke 600, yeah, sure, great, 85 points, congrats. That's a 400 lap. <laughs> the annoying thing race. with Larson, though, is that... And he was also he, starting dead last. He uh, will qualify well, most likely. Like, yes. when it's just him on the track by himself, he 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 can absolutely, like, get the fastest lap and qualify well. So then, like, at that point, when he's starting up front... You know, you can't pay for PD there. So you're obviously hoping that he can get dominators and still finish well, which was not the case at Sonoma because he started first and sure he led 26 laps with 13 fastest laps. But at road courses, you're not you're not targeting guys for dominator points. And sure enough, he went backwards and finished 15th. And at 10,600, even with even though he led a good portion of the race, he only netted he only got 26 points. So it's like it's such a gamble with Larson. So you know he's going to start well. Here's a question. If he does what he did at Kansas, started third, finished second, 19 fastest laps, 29 laps led, 59 points. Are you paying 11-6 for that? He was 11-1 at Kansas. Um, I mean, it's okay for cash because that's 5X value, but right. if, I'm, if, if he's starting third, finishes second with just 29 laps led and 19 fastest laps... I'm not d- taking a victory lap over a guy that's hitting 5x value at 11,600. Yeah, I mean, to give you an idea, the most laps he's led in a race this year is 51 at the Coke 600. And, and, and that's the other frustrating thing, too, is because, like, he has, like, at Sonoma, led 26 laps. Coke 600, 51 laps. Kansas By the way, he did that starting dead last at the Coke 600. But it was the longest race. And he had an absolute abomination of a first half of that race. So to lead right. 51 laps and almost win it was remarkably impressive. Um, but, but like he's he he has plenty of races where he's led double digit laps. You know, I think you mentioned it that the Coke 600 was the most laps he's led. So we know he can get up there. But it's just like he's not running away with the race, which is what you really need him to do at right. this price tag. So now, do you think that people will steer away from him because? of his crew chief not being there. Because yeah. To be, to be honest, I don't think it affects him. I was listening to Door Bumper <clears throat> Clear this week, and yeah. they were talking about how stupid, or it was last week, whatever it was. They were talking about how stupid the suspension is for the tire falling off, like the crew chief has nothing to do with it. But they also said that the crew chief isn't allowed on the pit box, right? But it doesn't mean he's not setting the car up throughout the week it doesn't mean that he doesn't that he's not involved in how that car heads to the track he's just not joining people at the track Mm. doesn't mean you can't talk to him after practice and say this is what this you know it felt like this this is what we want like 
So it sounds like it's kind of like he's just going to watch the race from a command center yeah, and not be there. So I think the people are, I don't know. I'm torn on if that'll make a difference for Larson or not. I think at best, I'm probably just going to match the field in terms of exposure. But for the most part, I do find myself probably being underweight because just plugging Larson into your lineup leaves you with $38,400 for the remaining five drivers. And <clears throat> you really need to hit on some valor, some salary savers and value right. options. Um, so I would rather just, if I'm going to pay for dominators, I would rather pay for probably two cheaper guys in this range. Um, and who knows? Like if, if Larson shows up incredibly fast in practice and he's on the pole, I'm sure I'm going to likely match the field. But you know, if you're going to match the field with Kyle Larson, you really need to find a way to differentiate that kind of lineup in a GPP, and you, you have to take risks elsewhere, unfortunately. Yeah. I would and playing agree. Larson at this price tag is a risk. And so, I don't know. I feel like we've rambled on long enough about Kyle Larson, even though he's he's worth talking about. But it's just... I mean, Kyle Busch has averaged 10.5 more DK points than Larson this year, and he's 600 bucks cheaper. Yeah. Sign me and up. Chase, for as much crap as we give Chase Elliott, he's almost 10 points better per race than Larson so far, right? So, I don't know. But, yeah, I, Ryan Blaney at 9,500 is sticking out like a sore thumb to me. Yeah, I kind of agree. Um, won the all-star race, and, I mean, that doesn't really move the needle for us, but it, it is a win, and he he looked great there. Um was solid at Gateway, started fifth, finished fourth, had 12 right. laps led and 38 fastest laps. And, and he, he led ahead. a bunch at Phoenix and Richmond. Yeah. Which are comparable tracks. <clears throat> so, I mean, yeah, the results continue not to be there, unfortunately, for Ed Rouse and Ryan Blaney. Um, but I don't know why he's priced under Truex. You know what's weird is, like, he's almost – Price similarly, similarly to where he was for Phoenix and Richmond. Like Richmond, he was ninety four hundred and led one hundred twenty eight laps, and then at Phoenix, he was ninety six hundred and he led one hundred forty three. And now he's priced smack dab in the middle of those two. Yeah, I like I, I like that kind of narrative. <laughs> the stars are aligning. <laughs> like you got to look at something at some point, right? And that's that's as good as anything. So, <laughs> um, but in terms of Hendrick. To switch back just to finish it off. I don't honestly know. I mean, it's going to depend on where they qualify. But for me, it's probably Chase, then probably Byron, Byron, then Larson, then Bowman, probably. See, I like the price tag on Bowman, though. And I know he was. Yeah, the problem is the results haven't been there. No, I know. So I was thinking, like, um, I feel like you and I had this conversation about Kevin Harvick uh, maybe a month or two ago, how. He was like it's Kevin Harvick and he's priced in the mid range. The ceiling isn't really there, but there's still a pretty decent floor for cash games. And I'm looking at Alex Bowman's recent performances on DraftKings, and he's not backing into wins, but he's also not really doing too terrible. He's not I mean killing. if we he's not killing you with the exception he's not of as much as he probably should for the equipment he's <laughs> in. That's that's fair. But I mean he's eighty seven hundred, so five X value would be about forty Three forty-four points, and so he was eighty-five hundred at Richmond. He put up sixty-four. Now, granted, he started twenty-eighth and finished eighth, 
uh, and he yeah. was 86 at Phoenix. Phoenix put up 26 <clears throat> points, so it's kind of that doesn't really help. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm pretty intrigued if he qualifies like P16, P17, or P18. But he was this exact price at Gateway and put up 42 points. Yeah, 25th finished 13th. No passes, laps, no laps led. Uh, I gotta ask you about Martin Truex Jr. Like, I don't know, man. What are we doing? I don't know, man. Every time I think he's gonna be fast, he's not. And every time I think he's gonna be slow, he stinks. Like, he started twenty eighth. How do you suck that bad on a road course you've won at three times in the last (laughs) five races with your old crew chief back as engineer? Like, how? Like, to all those that faded what everybody thought was the shock of the century, congratulations on that one. Um, but then the gateway, he looked good. Right? Like, he led 40-something laps, finished sixth. He looked good at gateway. Uh, nearly he, uh, At Richmond, he was top five and led 80 laps. Yeah, nearly backed into a win. Well, not backed into a win. He led 80 laps, but, like, nearly had a win there. Phoenix was not great. Yeah. I think I think he had a mechanical thing happen at Phoenix, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I don't think he was alone. I think Christopher Bell also had a problem at Phoenix. Yeah, <clears throat> that was not a great race for JGR. <laughs> but like, I I do not know what to do with with Truex. Do you think that there's he's just kind of looking forward to the end of the season because it sounds like he's going to retire? Oh, I'm almost positive he's going to retire at this point. Um. And I know they're super tempted to keep Ty Gibbs down, but like, who you're really not going to put him in a free car? Who are you going to put in that car if it's not Ty Gibbs? John Hunter. For a year? Because you know, you know that. Do you think that they're really that committed to Christopher Bell? I don't know his contract situation. I don't either. They're generally hard to find out. One win in three years? Yeah, but he's been so like he's got twelve top tens this year. In what is probably the fourth best JGR car. Maybe third. Maybe. It's either he or Truex that have the worst car in the JGR, because you know it ain't Kyle Bush and you know it's not Danny Hamlin. And he's got twelve top tens and his, now that includes some <clears throat> exhibition ones, but still. I mean, the names I've heard, and I think that I'd be surprised if they if John Hunter didn't get a Toyota ride at some point in the next two to three years, because like he he made the move to Kyle Busch Motorsports to one get back into the winner circle to feel like it right. was it was like to win races again, and like this was a long term play. Like he he wanted to get to a good team, and obviously that's well, that's great. At, but you at the Cups, manufacturer, the can the only least amount of cars possible. Right. But, I mean, like, they also have three drivers that are kind of aging out at JGR. It's an interesting question about Bell, because if if you're not committed to Bell, or you only get Kyle for one more year, or Denny decides to just go own the team and not race anymore, then you open up a spot for Ty Gibbs without having to kick somebody else to the curb. 
I think it would be a really but, bold move to bring Gibbs up next year. Like he he absolutely needs another year in Xfinity. You can't bring yeah. him up after one full time year. And he's good. Like he he is talented. He's gonna be a Cup Series champion, and he's gonna piss off a lot of people along the way. Yeah, he's gonna be Ross Chastain two point oh. <clears throat> More Speaking talented. of which, do you think this is the kind of track where Ross, where Denny or Chase potentially get revenge? No, Ross? I don't either. I didn't think he was going to be the a- the re the the payback for Ross Chastain isn't coming till the playoffs. I figured, yeah. Like Hamlin can Promise talk all the crap he wants about how it's going to be unexpected. It's not going to be unexpected. <laughs> it's going to happen in the playoffs, like Harvick did with Chase, and then he wrecked himself out of the race. That's when it's going to happen. If Denny is out of the playoffs. He's not going to want Chastain to advance. He's going to wreck Chastain. If Chase is out of the playoffs and doesn't want Chastain to advance, he's going to wreck Chastain. That's that's when it's going to happen is the playoffs. I don't understand everybody going, oh, it's going to happen. It's some, like, flipping New Hampshire. No. No. <laughs> it's going to happen at one of the cutoff races in the playoffs. All right. We are over 30 minutes into this podcast, so I guess we should just, I guess, quickly dive into Is there anybody in, I'd say, I don't know, above 9K that we didn't talk about that you maybe want to touch on that you kind of like? I can't put my <clears throat> finger on Logano. I don't, I, I just. Um, I mean, if you go based off of Gateway being a similar track, he was good there, right? But if top you 10 go. Phoenix. Just didn't do anything like otherworldly. Yeah, he didn't do anything at Richmond, and he was solid. But this, I mean, he was ten one, so forty points isn't. I mean, forty points still at nine three won't get you five x either. <clears throat> um, so I don't know. I, he seems like a Truex type guy to me. He's either really going to show up and light the world on fire, or he's going to lay an egg. That's yeah. what's going to happen. Kind of agree. Um, but that's about. That's about it. Um, Reddit could be very interesting this week if he can get the heat and the resin. What about Kurt Busch? Like, that price tag is... I don't know. I thought, like, after he won Kansas, it would shoot up. And I mean, he well, was like, good yeah. at Gateway, but at the same time, like, yeah, he's he's kind of just doing what Kurt Busch does. Like, Kurt Busch wins and dominates one race every year, and then he just... He's just like a borderline top 12 driver most weeks. Yep. So, I, mean, <clears throat> I don't know. Richmond has never really been his track, so it's hard to pin that one against him. Uh, he was very good at Phoenix in terms of PD. So, I think coming off of a stinker at Sonoma, that's going to help uh, keep keep ownership down. But he did did pull off a top three at Gateway, so I would say it comes down to how he looks on the track this week. Um, I think Kevin Harvick's a lock for another top ten. I just do <laughs> just, tracks that it's hard to pass at, assuming his tire stays on and he doesn't. Like he looked really good. He was fighting for. He was almost in top ten spot. Gateway when he put his car in the wall, yeah. like he's credited with a thirty third. But if you watch that race, he was far better than a thirty third place car. Um, it's just a top ten race for Kevin Harvick. That's what oh, he man. 
That's what he does. Kowalski is 6,600 again. What about Briscoe? All right, we'll get to Brad shortly. Um, I don't know. I'm not overly excited about Briscoe. No, he, I know he finished well at the Coke 600, and he won uh, Phoenix earlier in the year in pretty dominating fashion at just $7,000. Uh, I don't view him as an $8,100 driver right now. Um, I just have – I don't have a ton of faith in SHR outside of Harvick, and since it's a flat track, I will – consider Almarola, but the problem with Almarola is that he's been qualifying too well on these flat right. tracks. Like, he qualified eighth at Gateway. Finished fifth, so, I mean, he still got 44 points. Um, but then he qualified tenth for Richmond, and he was he qualified top five at Phoenix. Like, I don't want to play him if he's starting that high. I'll play him if he's qualifying outside the top 12. But I can't get excited about Almarola if he's qualifying eighth or higher. Yeah, I will say that Briscoe led 27 <clears throat> laps at Gateway from the pole. And he was fast at practice. Like, by all accounts, like, the car had speed. He had control of it. It looked like it was a race that he should have dominated. And then he, what, had a tire go down, right? Uh, yeah, he had something that happened at a pit. Like, he had to pit on an untimely, uh, you know, off schedule, I believe. And then... Just there was no passing at that track, so once you're back in the field, it was pretty tough to make up space. You think Daniel Suarez is done being hungover? <laughs> or better too. yet, done picking up the cash that Pitbull threw at him with a pinata. Do you see that? I saw that. They looked like singles though. They did. They did not look <laughs> like. They did not look like Benjamins. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, congrats on that for Suarez been it's hard not to root for that guy and such a likable dude yeah everybody in the garage uh loves Especially him I think. if you consider where like the journey it took for him to get here yeah i still contend don't by jgr don't by shr yeah had to I run for brothers and qualify i mean they replaced him with cole custer i mean yeah. i would rather have suarez but that's just <laughs> That's just me. Um, but, I mean, that being said, do you do you think he can do anything on a shorter, flatter track like this? Like, if you look at the comparable tracks, he hasn't really uh, – I mean, he did well at Phoenix, but most of that was PD because he started 23rd. Yeah. Right? Like, I'd rather have his teammate in terms of dominator points here than, than Suarez. Uh, we're not talking about that guy. If it matters at all, Suarez started 22nd and finished 7th here a year ago. And he does. I think he's going to be in the Tootsie's car, if I'm not mistaken, <clears throat> which is a bar in Nashville. It'd be very odd if they weren't running the Tootsie's car in Nashville. <laughs> yeah. put it that way. How about we talk about a guy who I was shocked to find out was top three in driver rating here last year, which is Ricky Stenhouse Jr., yeah, uh, Stenhouse had a 114.7 driver rating in this race a year ago. Was that, that was second? Three. What's that? Was that second or third? Was that no, it was third because Almarola was 116.7. But Stenhouse didn't lead a single lap but still had 25 fastest laps. Pretty impressive. That's pretty That's pretty impressive. Um <clears throat> Especially when you consider all the clean air that Kyle Larson ran with and 
you know, Stenhouse still managed to finish sixth. My only problem is that in all of the similar tracks, that car has not been good. Yeah. Has it finished better than 28th at the three comparable tracks this year? Good Lord, that's terrible. At Richmond, Phoenix, and Gateway. Where does he need to start for you to feel good about playing him? Well, the good news is if he finishes, if he starts dead last, he can't cost me points. <laughs> I had a feeling you were going to say something like that. <laughs> um, I don't know, in the late 20s, probably. Yeah, probably. I might even take a Five. few shots on him if he's starting in the top 20. Yeah. Uh, I mean, because I know the car at this type of track has been bad. Um, but I do think overall the move by JTG to go from a two-car team to a one-car team. I think that's helped Suarez, or not Suarez, Stenhouse. Um, and I also think, like, in general, he has become a... We've seen him make some strides as just a pure driver this year. Um, seeing more top tens from him, I feel. And granted, he had a craptastic start to the year. Yeah. Um, but starting at Dover, I like what I've seen from him. Um you know, I, I I think it's stupid when the Kroger logo is so low on his hood. It's just a weird look, but <laughs> he does. He's had some absolutely <laughs> terrible paint schemes this year. Um, like, but yeah, because Kroger won't give up like half the car, so then it's yeah. just a mix of like <laughs> that and like Reese's. I think one time it was like he has had some not good paint schemes. <laughs> I'm just gonna put that out there. Um, I, I don't Almondinger's in the field this week. I don't know. I mean, he's going to get extra practice. He did have a hell of a run at Gateway. Finished he, top 10 at Gateway. Colleague does show up with a good setup for the cars. I mean, it's a track he's never raced on. Literally had no track time before he took the green and went into turn one and somehow passed 25 dudes. Yeah, not to mention he had to fly from Oregon, like, after and winning. And dry all of his stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was pouring. You think he just hung it out the airplane? As he was I traveling? think so. <laughs> like, I don't care about drag. I'm drying my clothes. <laughs> uh, he pulled off 32 points at Phoenix, and he was significantly more expensive that weekend. Honestly, at 6,800, I know it's not 5x value, but if he's getting me 32 points as a value play, I'll take it. I would it. take it. Yeah. Yeah, I would, I would probably take it, too. Um, uh, you wanted to talk about Kislowski. I mean, so, he's 6,600. Go, go for it. <laughs> I, I mean, like, this... All right, so at Gateway, he started 30th. He finished 20th, and then we can... Uh, at Richmond, he started 19th, finished 13th. And Phoenix, he started 18th and finished 23rd. But he had a pretty rough start to the year. And he's not necessarily prone to poor results. But uh, I just can't pass him up at this price tag. Okay. Better question. What about his teammate? Uh, Bush dog. Bush dog. Oh, my God. He's 61. He's 61. He's coming off a second-place finish. At, I know it's a road race, but... <laughs> You know what? That, it's, right? I, I'll, I'll he prefer- missed Gateway, so we don't have that to compare to because he missed it because he was out with COVID, which Fox News apparently thinks he caught mid-air while flipping at Charlotte based on their headline. But we'll leave that one alone. Um, but at Richmond, he finished top 15, put up 39 points at 6,800 bucks. 
At Phoenix. And at Phoenix, he finished top 10. If it's between Keselowski and Busher, then I'm going to go with Busher. But I do think it's we're reaching that point with Busher where, especially since he's coming off a second place finish, right, where he's going to be a popular. going to be obviously the more popular option. So I will probably be split on my exposure to them and just, you know, hope that I am a little bit overweight in the field compared to Keselowski because 6,600 is still uh, far too cheap. Yeah. Yeah, I would. 6300 is such a good price tag for an SHR car, but I can't pay that much for I, – I can't plug Cole Custer into any lineup and feel great about it. Yeah, you can't feel good when, when it comes to Cole Custer. He's been more proficient at finishing further back than where he started Gross. this year. Like, it's not – it's it's not been a lot of Phoenix. He did have a reasonable. What run. are we doing with Justin Haley? Come on, <laughs> fifty nine hundred. Uh, I mean, a guy who has like put up. He finished top fourteen at Gateway and is and was six grand. So he went down a hundred bucks after a top <laughs> fourteen at a comparable track. Um, I mean that's like. If he stays clean, like he's good for a top fifteen, and yeah, he finished seventeenth at Phoenix. He's pushing like back marker price tag with this, and we've seen him put up thirty points. We, I mean, I understand it was the New Atlanta, but he got forty nine points at New Atlanta, forty two at Dover. Uh, it looks like sixty eight at Darlington. I mean, he put up thirty seven at Phoenix. And that's it's six X if two hundred. Yeah. If he's fifty nine hundred, like this is dumb. <laughs> I mean, that car's a rocket ship most weeks. Yeah. I mean, let's put it this way: the thirty one has been better than the sixteen for Collie. Yeah. Um, I would love so. to play Corey Joy and just hope for a top twenty because I think he finished top fifteen at Nashville last year. But he's that car; he just can't figure out the new car. No, but isn't he a new dad again? Are we really allowing that narrative to carry over? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he I mean, had a Father's Day. Since he's been a new dad, he's finished outside the top 30 in three straight races. That's true. <laughs> Maybe Father's Day rejuvenated him. I don't know. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Todd Gilliland, his DraftKings profile, says he's team DGR. But he is coming off a win at the dirt track last Which year. Which is hilarious. I think it's been like four or five straight races for the truck series where a non full-time driver has won the race. And like, I think, I think you're that's right. laughable because they've had 13 races. I think only seven of them have been won by full-time drivers. And three of those I think are Zane Smith. Yes. Their playoffs are going <laughs> to be wild. And they only have like four races left in the regular season because their playoffs start at the end of July. Yeah. Which is, but then somehow their championship is still the same weekend as the cup. So like it's at like 10 o'clock at night on a Friday too when he's coming. Yeah, they had to adjust it because <laughs> Arizona doesn't do daylight savings time. That was yeah, I am I am not staying awake for that one. Hilarious to me. Uh, um, all right. I know we've kind of derailed. Is there anyone else you wanted to touch on? I can't fathom that there'd be any, like did we did we miss people that are worth talking about? Um <clears throat> I don't know. Austin Dillon Maybe two straight top 15s. 
trying to justify Michael McDowell, but he hasn't done anything on the comparable tracks. Yeah. Oh, he did lead 34 laps at Gateway. I don't know. I mean, Austin <clears throat> Dillon was top 10 at Richmond. He was 15th at Gateway, and he was 11th on a road course. So he's got some he's got some decent mojo going. He's also cheaper now than he was at Gateway. Uh, I don't know. We're not going to talk about the guy between Amarillo and Stenhouse. That's not going to happen. Is that Bubba? No. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I finished seventh at Gateway, Eric Jones did. We're talking about Eric Jones, everybody. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, he did have a good run at, at Gateway. He did. He was bad at Richmond and Phoenix. Yeah, so he was, I mean, he was a GPP player because he looked good in practice at, at Gateway, and then it came through. And then, by the way, I will contend that the bet was a lot closer than I get credit for because it was 18th for Kurt Busch and 22nd for Eric Jones. It was closer, still lost. Um, yeah, I... I mean, what we've are we been doing with Cindric below eight grand? Uh, I don't know. Pesky tends to show up with good speed at the short flag tracks. Yeah, I mean, he led twenty six at Gateway. Um, Almost got back into the top ten after just like a terrible pit stop. I'll say this: um, I don't, and this might be the wrong opinion, and everyone is welcome to disagree. He was 20th at Richmond and 24th at Phoenix. But at the same time, I don't know if I want to dwell on those results because, one, he's a rookie. Right. And after he won Daytona, he did go on a very dry spell. But well, it's the Daytona hangover, man, because i got to do all sorts of media all that week. For sure. Um, but I do I, – I feel like he's more confident now, and I feel better about him as the season has progressed. Does that mean I've played him a ton? No, and it did cost me at Sonoma. Yeah, uh, I was. I I will admit I was. I underestimated how quickly he would pick up how to drive that track, a one that he had not competed on previously, and he moved up twenty spots on that track for a very good top five. Um, he did look good at Gateway. And again, the 11th place finish is a, is a tad misleading because I'm pretty sure he had a pit issue or a tire thing and he pitted off cycle and then I had to fight his way back um, up through the field and did that quite well. So, I don't know. I mean, but if you're looking for a Penske car at a steep discount, it's hard to beat Cindric, right? I mean, no, very tough to beat him. Sorry, I'm not ignoring you. Uh the Colorado Avalanche just scored a game-winning goal in Patrick Kane fashion where everyone was kind of confused and then they realized it was a goal and that the game was over. <laughs> I mean, you've got almost a $2,000 difference between... Yeah, okay, $1,400 difference between him and Logano and $1,600 difference between him and Blaney in what Penske claims is the same equipment. Yeah. Well, so. in that case, do we like Harrison Burton? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, let's see. Here's the thing, is that I'm taking, I've am taking i taken more of an approach with these backmarkers and these super cheap drivers where it's like I don't 
I don't want to be way too overexposed on any one driver. <clears throat> um, like Gilliland is probably going to be everyone's favorite value play almost any given week. But at the same time, like I don't if I'm making 20 to 40 lineups, I don't want to have too much Gilliland. I don't want to have too much Burton. I don't want to have too much Ty Dillon or Michael McDowell or Justin Haley. Like I just I mean, don't want to have too reason many. that they're back markers. Yeah, like I don't want to have too many eggs in just one driver's basket. Uh, so I will gladly play Burton just to, I guess, diversify my lineups a bit. Um, and I guess I could talk myself really onto anybody in this range because of that. Including Bullock, Ian McLeod, and Yaley? Um, probably not Yaley. Maybe Balicki. You're going to hate me because he almost hit 5 exit at Gateway. His 19 <laughs> points was almost... Was... Was but honestly, five. that's all you need from these guys. Like, you don't need 5X from these right. guys in the 4K range. Like, if, if they're giving you 18 <laughs> points and you have the right dominators, like, yeah, like, take it. And if that if Josh Balicki, paying down to Josh Balicki is helping you take down a GPP, by all means, go for it. Okay. What, what Can I fit both Bush and Chastain with Balicki in a lineup? Like, is this going to happen here? Let's see. Let's go with oh Jesus! I get seventy six hundred average remaining. <clears throat> okay. Um, oh, can I get the? I can't get Blaney and then get anybody that I like after that. So that sucks. Well, here's what you could do: you could go like Kyle Busch, Ross Chastain, Blicky, Busher, Harvick, and Bell. Yeah, I was trying to get. Blaney and Bush. <clears throat> I can't get Harvick. <laughs> so if I go Blaney and Busher, who can I get? Briscoe, Cindric, Suarez, Stenhouse, Almarola. Let's go with Stenhouse. I can get. And I still have a thousand dollars. I don't even have to pay for Balicki. Yeah. <laughs> Bye, Balicki. Let's see who gets. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Do you take McDowell or Ty Dillon? <laughs> uh, McDowell. I have an affinity for Ty Dillon, though. That's the problem. But. I mean, I McDowell was ridiculous at Gateway last week. Like, he showed up <laughs> at 34 laps. We'll take him. Why not? So we were calling it yeah. last week when it was three weeks ago. Well, two weeks ago. But, yeah. But last race. <laughs> uh, Kyle Busch, Chastain, Blaney, Stenhouse, Busher, and McDowell, and I have 100 bucks left. Not bad. But we are almost an hour into this. But, uh... Yeah. Be on the lookout for the playbook. We are in, once again, we are in the NASCAR DFS Discord all week. I'm a little rusty. We had a week off. But, yeah, I'll be in there Friday and Saturday for the truck and Xfinity race. And I'm sure I'll be in there on Sunday helping out with some questions as we lead up to a very late walk. Um, yeah. Matt. Oh, my God. What now? So, I've got Larson, Chastain, Stenhouse, and Balicki, <clears throat> and I have 8,000 average left. Which means I can go get Harvick, and then I can go get 
Almirola, Eric Jones, Austin Dillon. Or if I skip Harvick, I can get. <laughs> this could be fun. I could get Kurt. There you go. Your guy. And then go get who? Suarez, Almirola. Who else Suarez? There you go. <laughs> so Balicki comes in helpful if you want to put Kyle Larson in here. <laughs> All right. Well, Matt, thank you so much for your time and your roster breakdown. Best of luck to you this weekend. Best of luck to the – oh, that's your line. Yep, best of luck to <laughs> Nation.